Cat Williams has forgotten more about soccer than Andrew Reeve will ever know. Neither of those teams scare me as much as they probably realistically should. Not great, Bob. Not great. Okay. The hoops I jumped through. And with that, we are underway here at the Dummy Run Podcast, a Minnesota United-leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Alex McCracken. He's Grant Hershberger. It has been a minute, Grant. We've got three matches to talk about, a lot of other things that have happened since we last spoke. I couldn't think of the word there, so I'll just roll with it. How are you feeling over the last two weeks? I think I just want to know... How stressful has your day been that you can't think of the word things? <laughs> or could you just not categorize the events? I couldn't think of the word developed. A lot of things have developed over the last two weeks. Oh, That's developed was, was the for. word that was, yeah. that was giving you problems. Not much better, but better than the word things. Things. Well, true. Sometimes we forget words. That was what it was. Yep, we forget words. Go. And that's, you know, it happens. It does. It always, quick shout out, anyone who speaks more than uh, one language, good for you, all right? Good for you, because uh, I forget English words frequently, frequently, or use the wrong word off to go. I was an English major. That's the worst part. So, uh, yeah, anyways, a lot of stuff Are you happened. ever listening back to this podcast and you hear yourself say something and you're just like, what did I say? You know, it's funny that you say that. I was talking to some buddies uh, last weekend and... They were talking about the podcast, and they were like, blah, blah, blah. You just like to hear yourself talk. And I was like, I'm actually the worst part of the podcast. I, When we have to go back and edit it, I hate my voice. And most of the points I make, I'm like, that made sense in my head when I said it, but I didn't flesh out the entirety of yeah. the idea. So uh, for those of you who care, yeah, I, I, I like my ideas and my opinions because, of course, they're my opinions, but... I hate listening to myself. It's just, it's awful. It's terrible. Yeah, no one likes their own voice, and also it's amazing at the things you say. Even though it's just you and I talking on a video chat here, uh, you still feel that kind of sense of being like live, and you just say something and roll with it, even though you could just very easily go back and fix it. I think there was a time a while ago we were talking about lineups, and I named a lineup that had like 12 people in it, and I'm just like, what, what, what are you talking about? But in the moment, it made sense, and we just had to fix it, you know. You just dipped later. into the bench. That's okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. Why not? Uh, all right. Two weeks in the books. Three matches in those two weeks. We're facing international call-ups and a red card, which we'll discuss. That's probably too much to talk about without making this about three hours long. So, Grant, I think we just kind well, of... Let's start at the third game. Uh, first minute, we had... <laughs> I think we just look back at... At, at what kind of happened as a whole, what we saw in the starting lineups, what we think about that, high points, low points, in-between points. I want to start, because I always get to go first, um, and I want to just take a look back, uh, way back when, to Minnesota playing Houston at home, and I want to call out the beginning of what this trend is going to be, and that is Unu removed from the lineup and Finley placed out on the right. I think last time we spoke, that had already happened a few times. Um, over the next three games, we see that consistently. And really, it's in a sense, it's hard to argue because 
if you take out the two games that we did really badly against SKC and against Seattle, there was a moment there where Ethan Finley had two goals and two assists in three starts, I believe is what it was. Um, so it's hard to say that he shouldn't be starting. But at this point, really, Emmanuel Noso is the only DP we have who's making any difference on a regular basis. And as we head into what is going to be you know, a competitive, if not unreachable, playoff picture. It's. I know that you and I have talked a lot, and I know that there's some other people around Twitter who have talked a lot about this idea of not playing Unu more. And I don't know what the answer is, because you got to play the best 11 on the field. And right now, I think it's more that Ethan Finley is beating out Unu for a starter spot. Even though they're not playing the same position, I think that because Finley is better than Unu, that means Lude and Finley make more sense than Finley and Unu. Or sorry, then Lude and Finley make more sense than Unu and Lude. Because either way, Lude's on the field. So it's more about Finley and Unu, not Finley or Lude. On the re-list, and you're going to hate this part. <laughs> exactly. After I just got done talking about yourself. that. <laughs> Lude and uh, Adi? No. Um, yeah, I, I think it's hard to argue with how Ethan Finley has played recently. And, and again... I don't want any of these statements to sound like backhanded compliments because I do think Ethan Finley has played very well. I think specifically, and this is not necessarily a fault of either of them, maybe honestly a little bit more of a fault of Robin Lude, but uh, when Robin and Finley are both in the lineup, so it's Robin Lude at the striker, Ethan Finley in the right wing, they both tend to want to float to the same places. Because they're both natural right-wingers. And I know you've addressed that, that before. But you can see they'll clog up each other's space a little too frequently. Where I still believe Adrian Onu would be a better choice at striker. I don't mind Robin Lude at striker. I think he clearly has shown that he has the ability. I, I mean, we'll talk about all these games minute by minute, you know, moment by moment, of course, in real, real in-depth uh, you know, analysis, it's a little <laughs> bit sarcasm. But, you know, you even look at, like, the Dallas game, and Lude had some strikes where you're like, oh, my gosh, that should have been a goal. Like, there were so many moments, should have been a goal. I look at Unu, and I understand and I don't understand. Because there's two sides of the coin, Alex. There's the production side, which Unu has not produced as well as he should have. Right? Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. I mean, like, uh, he should be, as a DP striker at, at what, he's probably played, like, 19 games now, he should have more than four goals. That being said, he has had precious little time with true creative facilitators who can assist him and help him build those goals. And so you look at it and you go, well, I get why Ethan Finley is beating him out because Ethan Finley is getting the results. And Ethan Finley is a great dude, a hard worker. He has a great defensive work rate. But if you look at the long-term goals of this team and how you know Major League Soccer is set up, you have to use your DPs if they're healthy, and you have to get them going. And so if I'm Adrian Heath, knowing that Minnesota United is not going to win the Supporters' Shield, last time I said that, you mathematically proved me wrong that we technically <laughs> probably could have won it, but, but we're not going to win it. We're not going to win the Supporters' Shield. So we're not going to the Supporters' Shield. So your goal should be the big picture, if you're Adrian Heath, get into the playoffs. Doesn't matter if it's a home playoff spot or not. I really don't care either way. 
Uh, but get into the playoffs and get your players clicking. That's the biggest thing. If you get that run, just like how we were on that run, you know, um, last year, where we made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals, if you can get Unu going, and he's got some chemistry with Robin or Franco or Ray, or Finley, wh- whoever it is, I don't really care. you you got to get your DP striker going. Because otherwise, you know, as we've seen a couple of times, Alex, he pulls on Fernando Adi, and I don't get that. I don't understand that. Do you get that? Do you get what he's bringing? I mean, it <clears throat> it goes to something that we talk about a lot and that I think we always try to remind ourselves that we don't see what happens day in and day out. Um, you know, we, you know, back in in late September, I asked people kind of what you're saying. Do you need to stick with a new, even if maybe in the short term, it's not getting you the best results because you need to go into the playoffs with your DP striker working? Or do you just stick with what's working now, which is Lude and Finley, because you have to play the best players, right? Um, we got 92 votes, 58.7% said stick with Unu because you have to have him rolling by the time you go into the playoffs. And 41.3% said just go with what's working in the short term because basically you have to play the best players, you know, pick the players who are performing the best. To be fair, I made a bunch of fake accounts to vote for the <laughs> Unu option. So I That's did fair. do that. That's, That's skewed fair. a little bit. But... Yeah, and it and then I mean where 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 Adi fits in the situation I think you know is was fine up until the point that he got on the field when Unu didn't at all in Dallas unless there's something going on that we don't know about that's crazy up until that point he had been an and Unu situation right mm-hmm. I don't think there was ever any point where he came on instead of Unu up until Dallas so up until that point I was fine with 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 the Adi situation. Again, like we've talked about, there were times I got annoyed when like we'd see Adi come in and then a new would come off, and you'd be like, "Oh, great, Adi's coming in," and then you'd see it was a new coming off, and you'd be like, "What?" Or same thing where finally you know Unu would come in and then all of a sudden Ray would come off, and or or you know Frank which is would my come biggest off. frustration. Right. You, so, they continue to hamstring the player they're trying to get going by pulling the support players off, and. I, I just don't understand the logic of that. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me because, you know, if, if you're going to switch to a more defensive style or something, if you're going to switch, you know, Robin Lude for Unu and switch Rosales for Ray or something like that, you know, a little more defensive, well, you're not really putting Unu in the best position to score a goal. I mean, I, I just, I don't have a huge justification for that, personally. But I know I just hijacked your train of thought, so I'm gonna. Well, and to be fair, I never that. really answered your question. I, I don't know what's going on. With we the never really do. Let's be right. honest. We just make it into the question we wanted to answer. Up until the Dallas game, I was fine with how Adi was being played. Um, you know, he's a big guy. Get him in there. See what he can do. You know, whether you think that should be you know Patrick Weah situation. Um, yeah, I would. I would argue. I would have no problem with that argument. Um, I mean, me and Stats by Stefan were just talking. Um, earlier today about what possibly, like, when you're talking about, you know, um, cost-benefit analysis, essentially, like, the cost of playing a player, what does Adi bring that, like, you know, Wea might be raw. I don't care how raw he is. Does he bring that much more in his lumbering, standstill performances? 
He doesn't do anything. I would yeah. I would genuinely rather see Heath play Weya, and Weya makes a mistake where we lose a game. I'm admitting that. He might lose us a game. Not saying he will, but even if he does, I'll own it. But we get Weya some playing time because I don't think he will. And that's the biggest problem. We've talked about this, right, when Tomas Chacon wasn't seeing the field. What did we say? All right, maybe he's got a bad attitude. Maybe he doesn't want to work. We heard stuff that he wasn't the best, you know, practicer. But now we're seeing this stuff over and over, and it's like, how are these guys getting this doghouse? They can't all be, like, you know, moping around, you know, listening to secondhand serenade and Mm. flipping their long bangs. You know, they can't all be emo kids just not wanting to practice or participate. Yeah. That's that's quite the image, but I I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Dashboard confessional. Would that have landed better for you? Right. <laughs> Both are great. Both bangers. Uh, I really. I mean, I'm sure that 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 Heath would say something about more uh, more on Adi's movement or the way that he can create space for someone because he understands the game. He has a higher IQ, a higher game IQ. It's not about his raw skill or what he's going to do on the ball. It's more about his off ball movement. Um, and the big brain galaxy open. meme is just going to be Adi not scoring, which helps us because there's no because. Oh, oh. What, what is football IQ if you're not doing anything on the field? I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Um, but I'm sure there's something along that line that is a defense for for the movement. But would you agree to meet with me that? Unu not starting says more about Finley than it does about Lude. Let me process that thought. You can work in a little like Jeopardy. <laughs> it says more about Finley than it does about Lude. Because Unu's not starting. It says the most about Unu, but would you agree with me that he's losing his spot to Finley more than he's losing his spot to Lude? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. I think Lude has played very well, but I think it's mostly because Finley has stepped in. You know, he, he didn't have a great start to the season, I think, just goal-wise, but we haven't all season, so he's not to blame. Um, but Finley has had a, a good run, and I think he's continued to show that he's that type of player. You listen to those Heath pressers, and you hear exactly what Heath is looking for, which is effort right? Every time we don't win a game, Heath will almost always say something to the effect of the other team wanted it more, or they worked harder, or we didn't work hard enough. And there's the coach side of me that understands that, and there's the coach side of me that understands there's more context to that. But to your point, yeah, Ethan Finley works. He cares. He grinds it out. He's a talented hardworking individual and I think he's played very well I just I think you got to find a way to work these guys all into the game one way or another you know while still pushing these players into positions that benefit them not you know they don't have to work against their own position right yeah and I know that you and I I think you and I share the same concerns about sometimes Heath focusing too much on on effort and we've talked about that Um, and I do want to touch on uh, maybe the more finer points of what Ethan and Finley and Robin Lude mean when they're on the field together and how that can cause issues space-wise. But first, I want to talk about Ethan Finley. What would you say Ethan Finley's... How many goals do you think... What's his goal-scoring record in a single season? Do you know? 
Um, I know he was an MLS All-Star at one point, so I'm going to go ahead and say... Sorry, four, four Minnesota United. So since 2017. So, okay, so so the most goals he scored for us. Yep. Um, not to muddy it too much, are we counting like outside tournaments like Open Cup or anything? Actually, I don't know if he scored any Open Cup goals. Just the Whatever. regular season. Yeah, okay, doesn't matter. Uh, I would say seven. That's exactly right. Seven. Mm-hmm. In 2019, he had seven goals and three assists. That was by far his best year. Um, he had four goals and two assists last year, and he has three goals and two assists this year. So he's kind of on track to tie his basically second best year if he gets another one here in the next couple games, which it kind of feels like he will at this rate. Um, so it definitely makes sense for him to be on the field. But then... You know, when you get into what that means, other than just how good he is at how good he's playing right now, you see little moments where he and Lude end up in the same spots because they're the same, they play the same position. And I think that that's where we need to start. Like, again, that's my worry where it's like, we're just so focused on what's working right now and like the best performing 11 people on the field that maybe there's some tactical, you know, nuances that we're not setting up to succeed in the future because we're just focused on what works right now. And it works against Houston at home, and it works against you know other teams that are, are bottom of the table or are the occasional win. But then when you go down to Dallas on the road, you just completely lay an egg. And when you go to D.C. away, you just get playing off the field. I mean, D.C. away is also its own conceptual thing because we threw out a lineup that made no sense uh i was interested in the new you know setup that we had with the players but i just nothing about it really made a ton of sense uh for a defensive lineup we still had players moving up too high doesn't matter for this conversation but i i get what you're saying and i agree with it i think um we, we really need to be getting these results against these players, and it's not about... Personally, I, I am somebody who believes that, you know, classic coach talk, you practice the way you play, you know, and repetition makes a difference. And so your short-term results also indicate your long-term results. And if Heath is just trying to win each game for the rest of this season, for the next seven games, he's doing a pretty bad job at it. I mean, he's just... He's not really winning each game at the sacrifice of the long term. He's kind of tying and losing and sometimes winning each game. And so it's like, well, okay, if you're going to kind of throw caution to the wind and, you know, gamble, why not gamble with the future and try to build on that? This is going to be the section that I don't like when you go back and edit it because I'm sure that makes zero sense to anybody except for myself. But here's the other thing. Here's... Here's my biggest UNU take, okay? If we remember what Robin Lude looked like in 2019, and again, that was when I was full-on chest plate and armor defending him on the social media web. I was left and right, you know, fighting to the death, dying on the Robin Lude hill. None of Robin Lude's shots or positioning or on-ball or off-ball movement looked as good as Unus does now. None of it. And right now, Robin Lude is our most prolific goal and assist scorer. Uh, although per 90, it's Franco Fragapane, who's currently in first place in Major League Soccer, which is kind of nuts. 
Um, but none of those early indications show that. Now, I knew he still had something. And he was okay. also playing out of position. I Okay, so people say that. I don't feel like that's all of it. Okay. And I feel like it's left. Yeah. We'll quick, let's, let's go ahead and do a, do a quick little rabbit hole, okay? Um, because people will say, well, this is the revisionist history, right? Where people will say, oh, I never said Robin Luke was bad. He was just being played out of position by Heath. True, he was being played out of position, but his shots were never really that great on target his first year. With his weaker uh, foot, yeah. With his weaker foot, or it would be left foot with low angle. Sure. You know, yeah. so stronger foot. Um, you know, he, I think he was mostly meant to be more of a facilitator, and he doesn't really want to do that because he is kind of an inside winger. Like, he wants to score goals. Um, but I don't think that the... I think it was more of the chemistry and the touch and the mentality. You know, it is a mental thing about how you're hitting these shots. And he was always leaning back. I kept telling um, Hannah that, like, you know, my soccer coach used to always scream at us, shoulders over the ball. You got to get shoulders over, drive through, and he kept leaning back. That's one part of it. But the point being, Unu's shots, like, you remember that, yes, they haven't gone in. But every one of his shots have been good shots. Yes, they're off target. And yes, that's an excuse. And I'm sure David Vinge is going to text me at some point after he listens to this and talk about how it doesn't really matter. Expected goals don't change games. Goals change games, blah, blah, blah. Thanks, David. I already know it's coming. But it doesn't take a huge leap to look at where Robin Lude was year one, year two, year three, And not that every player is that linear or that progressive, but they just got to get one inch inside the crossbar. And he would have seven goals, eight goals. I mean, what do you think is a successful year for a a DP striker in his first year? Like, if you could set Unu's goals and assists for this first year in a perfect world, what do you think a DP striker needs to be scoring? I think that given the year and the chances that he's had, he should be close to coming up on 10. Now, I'm not talking about him. Just a a DP striker. What's, like, the bar? Like, this is a DP striker number. I think you should be... At the end of the season. So not not to date, but at the end of the season, you score how many goals? I mean, it's hard, right? Because you can be a DP striker and still not be, like, the main goal scorer and still be, like, a successful striker depending on what your like playing style is right i think in my mind the dp striker is definitely like in the golden boot race every year or up there and abouts um which i feel like means he's what like high 20s right something like that in goals mid yeah. mid, mid 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 20s probably would be around would there. be my idea of like a successful dp striker um Again, we always talk about like all DPs are not created equal and like it's not like a DP is like one classification of money or like one classification of skill level. Like anything above a certain point is a DP, but obviously we don't need to explain to anyone that Angelo Rodriguez and Raul Ruiz Diaz are not the same type of DP. So Adrian Unu in 13... 90 minutes, you know, because he hasn't really played all of every game, but 
1390, so it's called 13 games. He's got four goals, one assist. Okay. And I know you hate expected goals, but let's call it expected goals. If he scored his 7.4, so let's just round down. If he scored seven goals in 13 games, would you say that's a pretty successful start? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes. So it's, I mean, so the thing about the UNU problem is we've panicked so quickly because I get it. He's supposed to be a high profile striker. He came in touted as very accurate, a fox in the box. He finishes his chances and he hasn't. That's okay. I still think he's somebody who's going to find that balance. It takes a a little bit of time sometimes. Um, But I don't think the path we're seeing him on and the way Adrian Heath is reacting to that path is good. That's where I'm concerned. And that's where you and I have talked, and we're not wafflers. Where do we stand on Adrian Heath right now? How are we feeling about him? So with all the things that you said, which I agree with, you go into a midweek, mid-week game against a non-conference opponent, you roll out a scattered lineup that doesn't have your star DP in it who plays in number 10. Why would you not work Adrian Unu into the 10 spot instead of Ray? Instead, we lined up in a 5-4-1 or a 5 2 three it was a mess whatever it was and instead of just slotting in Unu in the 10 which we know that he likes to play behind a striker so slot him in the 10 and let him and Lude just give it a shot him and Lude and Franco and Finley could all just do this beautiful rotation or Robin at the 10 I would even take Robin at the 10 well exactly you don't even need to pick just tell them to just work off each other and let them go But instead, we see, yeah, a 5-2-3, basically, I think is what we called it. Um, FOTMOB has it as a 5-4-1, but I don't think that's what it looked like on the, uh, if I'm reading back to the tweets correctly. Um, And it was a disaster. I mean, if you look at the game flow for that game in, um, against uh, DC, I'm talking here, um, we did not ever have, uh, shoot, I don't have it up anymore. Uh, I don't. I think that was the game we never got above a point two goal expected goals, uh, which you know, not great, Bob. Not great. Not great at all. And I think the thing that's so frustrating is like every time we roll out a different formation that's not four two three one, we all look so, we being the team. So you know, right classic Packer fan thing, saying we instead of the team, but the team looks so confused. Like, they do not look like they understand what we did against DC. And even when we roll out, like, a 4-3-3, it still feels like everyone's trying to catch up to what they're supposed to be doing. And I think at this point in time, I, I just, why deviate from what's working when we have players who can fit those roles? Just like you're saying... Against DC, you could have had Lude or Unu sit at the 10 and be perfectly fine. I'm not saying they're Reynoso. They're certainly not. But I think we've seen enough creativity out of both of those players to, to justify, like, you can do it for a game. You can make it work, you know. Sitting back in that 5-3-2 or 5-2-3 or whatever, it, just, it was just gross. It was so gross. 
Yeah, and uh, we actually didn't get above a 0.1 expected goal. Um, Debassi's goal did not even surpass that. Um, and that was a long header. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I mean, DC United were up above, you know, 0.3 several times throughout the match. Um, and you have nothing to lose. I mean, if, you, if there's ever a game to get your DP striker going, why would it not be the game when you clearly have nothing to lose and you're not worried about what what the result is going to be? Um, which I also don't really agree with. Like, in this situation and where we are in the season, points are points, and I think we need to be on a mission to gather as many as we can. And maybe Heath still thought that he could do that with the lineup he had. I mean... He's definitely been playing with the five and back, you know, system later in matches by bringing in Coleman, um, that I don't think has worked well. I mean, I I said last time we recorded that I did not think our win against Galaxy looked great, and then we played Houston and just barely hung on, and you know, then we went and went to DC and obviously got crushed, and then we went to Dallas and couldn't perform, so. This all started by kind of how am I feeling about Heath? And I think it's just been a continuous downhill since I don't even know. I mean, the first four games, obviously, we're still on board. Um, then we went on a really great run where we, you know, whatever, we didn't lose in 13 matches or whatever it ended up being. And like things were looking good and we had injuries, but you and I were still like, let's get this back. We're going to get rolling. It'll be fine. And now since everyone's gotten healthy, I feel like week over week, it's just been worse and worse. Honestly, it's just there's nothing that shows that we're moving in the right direction. And there's no reason to think that there's any reason based on the players we have that we shouldn't be moving in the right direction. Which the quote from Ethan Finley about there doesn't seem to be much of a plan besides get it to Reynoso continues to loom large. I think that was one of the biggest moments uh and again because this is this is ethan finley a very thoughtful well-spoken guy who just you know he's not gonna like trash the team he's not super you know i don't know fiery i guess is the word i would say like he's not gonna just frustratedly say something like oh we don't know what we're doing so that's a very measured take from him and to hear him say that is extremely concerning um, especially when you think about the amount of talent we have on this team. This is not a bad team. I see a lot of people, you know, kind of talking about, like, oh, this just proves Minnesota United was a mediocre team. There's just a recent list of metric top 20 players in each position uh, that got posted for Major League Soccer, and we had one player at every position in the top 20. And many teams didn't have, you know, one player in each position or, or, you know, all that. We had one at each position that was in the top 20. And so it's like, at what point do you look and say, we've got talent, we're not using the players right. We're not instructing them the right way. We're playing too much soccer volleyball. You know, we're, we're just doing <laughs> weird-ass drills that don't make sense. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I okay, know. so DC was a 5-2-3 with Hayes in the 10, which... I do not mind Hayes in the 10. I should clarify that, too. If 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 Unu was up top and Lude was out right and Hayes was in the 10, no problem with that at all. I, mind... I have a minor problem. Okay. What's, it, what's your minor I, I problem? Just, I think Hayes is better as an 8. And I think if you mm. need a backup 10, your backup 10s can be 
Lude or Adrian Anu. Those two guys right there. Somebody else can play striker. We've got plenty of strikers. Uh, I'm pretty sure Aguadel is not healthy yet, but I'm pretty sure Nico Hansen was back by the DC game, so you have an extra winger. Um, even Franco Fragapane, I would put him at the 10. Hmm. Okay. I guess I don't, right. dis- I don't disagree with that. But either way, we're all saying the same thing. You don't want to admit that you agree. You just don't disagree. I would never agree with you. Uh, <laughs> Hansen was healthy, and he did come on that match. It was in the 60th minute. Um, yeah, I don't have any problem with that either. My point is that when your DP striker isn't on the field, and those people are, something needs to change. Um, and that's that's kind of where I'm at with Heath. And, I mean, this whole podcast has been just a... a a rabbit hole, but not a rabbit hole. Um, what's the other I'll one? I'll take you down a rabbit hole. I still have mental images of Adrian Unu bodying out Kimpembe for PSG to score a goal for Stade Reem. Well, no, Ren. That's not Reem's. Ren. I can't get the names right. Um, this is not a bad striker. He's not a bad striker. And the thing is, if you have a player who's not bad, they're good, and they're not clicking, you should be doing everything you can to get that player up to speed. Because once Audrey Nunu is up to speed, I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I don't know if I ever see him as being a high 20-goal per-season striker, because I think we rely so much on our wingers. But I could see him being a 18, 19, 20-goal striker, you know, if he's up to speed, clicking with Reynoso, Frankapane, Fragapane, and uh, Lou. Right, and I do want to confirm here just real quick because I brought up the numbers. Uh, right now, the Golden Boot leader is uh, Kamara for DC United um, with 17. Uh, but that's actually low this year because we only have seven matches left. Um, and the Golden Boot race is at 17. Rui Diaz has 16. Shallowy has 16. And Gustavo Bo has 13. Um, and obviously, as you all know, you know, 2019, it was 34. Uh, Carlos Vela said it after Joseph Martinez said it in 2018 with 31. Um, actually, in 2019, uh, Ibrahimovic also got 30. So that's actually the third most goals. Um, but usually, yeah, it's high 20s. And now we're getting up into the 30s as we start to bring some bigger names in. Um, and it looks like this year with seven matches left is going to end closer to like the low 20s. Um, which is interesting, and I wonder what that says about this year, um, because that's quite a bit lower than than what we usually see. I mean, unless they get whatever three goals a game for the rest next seven, then that will bring them, you know, two goals a game for the next seven will bring them pretty close. Unless they all perform at an unprecedented rate. Uh, hey, it could happen. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, I think would it be fair to say I think there's been an emphasis about defensive play in major Mm. league soccer you see you know teams like nashville who have just kind of came from nowhere and with the you know addition of walker zimmerman and and their back line i think they have led you know and the loons did it too with ike opara you know bringing in quality defensive pieces can float a new team a long way if you play good defensive soccer you can grind out some ugly wins ugly ties and and that'll get you more success than trying to, you know, hit the jackpot on some random striker who may or may not pan out. 
you know. Yeah, I think definitely the tide is turning in that direction. Um, and I think, honestly, it's more about teams who haven't paid attention than the teams who have. I think, you know, LAFC letting, you know, letting uh, Walker go, Walker Zimmerman go. And, and saying Miller. like, Yeah, and saying, like, whatever, we'll figure it out. We're, we're LAFC. We got Carlos Vela. Like, no, nothing will ever stop us. And then they've just, like, been hemorrhaging gold for the last several years. Or other teams who just have never quite put enough emphasis on it, thinking that they can just score more goals, realizing that that's just not the way it works anymore. So I think the tides are turning. I don't think that's why the Golden Boot race is lower this year. Um, I'd probably put it more on schedule, honestly. Um, I, I, I think that the bunching of the schedule has made it weird on people. Um, you also have, you know, uh, you know, people coming in and out for COVID reasons, or uh, you know, then a lot, a lot of injuries this year. Um, there's been a lot of call-ups this year, so that might be another reason. Um, I don't think it's quite there yet, but I do think the tides are turning. I do think that I need to mention, because you brought up Carlos Vela, that our very own Robin Lude has more goals and assists than Carlos Vela, which, if you told me that at the beginning of the season, I would say, that's optimistic even for a Grant take. Um, but that's pretty cool. I like that. That's He's all. been injured a lot, but yes. Also uh, Robin true. Lude had international break. Do you think he stays at LAFC at the end of the year? Robin Him Lude? He's and, not on LAFC. Yeah. Him and Bob Bradley, their contracts are both up at the end of the year. Do you think Bradley's going to Toronto, and Carlos Vela will stay at LAFC. I think he'll mm-hmm. stay one more year at least. I think they both stay. You're not going to fire Bob Bradley after this one year. He's obviously no. You're not doing. firing Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley wants. Oh, Bob Bradley's going to gonna leave. He wants to go live in in the six. Why? It's where Drake's from. I don't know. <laughs> That's as good a reason of any, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But honey, it's in Toronto where Drake's from. The He's food so there wrong. is supposed to be the food scene in Toronto is supposed to be off the chain. So you uh, would know that you're such a foodie. It's, it's not a Every bad other thing day, I've seen Alex at a new restaurant, and I'm not at these restaurants. I'm just watching him on Instagram. Yep. And going, God, I wish it wasn't doing the keto thing right now. This sucks. <laughs> All right, we got to talk about some positive stuff here because we've done a rabbit hole of negativity. Uh, and it's not even a rabbit hole, because I think a rabbit hole is just one. What's a hole that goes off into, what kind of animal does a lot? Like an ant, ant. colony. That's an ant colony, because we're an, just going A termite down. infestation of anger. Yeah. Um, what was that sound? I don't, I wouldn't do care it. to do it again. Um, Tyler Miller. <laughs> He's going to edit that part out. Tyler Miller has had himself a hell of a year, kind of quietly, right? And I think it was, you know, somewhere in late September, you know, the experts at MLS.com were asked a question by what I'm guessing was a Loons fan about Tyler Miller for goalkeeper of the year. And they scoffed at the idea. Specifically, our favorite Matt Doyle was just like, oh, no, Tyler Miller's not goalkeeper of the year. He's had himself a good year, but not goalkeeper of the year. Uh, when he made that comment, Tyler Miller was tied for first in saves per 90, uh, tied for third at clean sheets, or no, in third at clean sheets, First at goals per 90, and second at goals against from people who have had over 20 starts, um, which is not a high number for goalkeepers, right? Like most goalkeeper starts every game. Uh, so that's just really taking out like the occasional start by like Cleveland or something, you know. Um, thoughts on Tyler Miller and what that means Cleveland? for Dane St. Clair? 
Yes, yeah, uh, Cleveland for Seattle. The goalkeeper Cleveland. Oh, like oh I was like, do you mean Cincinnati or Columbus? Because no. with yeah, no, is there like a new a... team? I don't know. <laughs> Not yet. Believeland. Um, you know, I I think truthfully, goalkeeper is a pretty tough position to judge at the elite level. So you know, you can say who's a good goalkeeper, who's a bad goalkeeper. And that's pretty easy to determine. But then you get into the top tier, and I think it's not a homer opinion to say that Tyler Miller is in the top tier of goalkeepers. At least he's around that sphere. But then you can start making all sorts of, you know, um, Rorschach test opinions about it, where, oh, well, this team has a really good back line, so that goalkeeper is not that good, it's just their back line, or... This goalkeeper, you know, really struggles with distribution, but he's good at shot stopping, so we're going to, you know, rate him down a little bit. Or It's it's hard because you can pick each story and make the narrative what you want it to be. Um, I don't know why Tyler Miller would get scoffed at. I think you can make the argument that maybe he's not the goalkeeper of the year, but I think it's worth talking about. And I think he probably... I'm totally going off the top of my head, so if I'm wrong on this, go ahead and roast me, but I feel like he's having a better year uh, than than Vito did. Right, yeah, no, and that really should be <clears throat> something that Like, we... Vito didn't deserve it the year he won it. It right. probably should have and been... I, don't, I, I guess I wasn't agreeing with the statement that he's having a better year than Vito did. I'd have to look at some well, stats. I mean, Vito, me Vito Minone was such a good goalie, like... I think I forget how good he was, and I go back and, like, for some reason a highlight of his comes up, and I'm just like, damn. But He was only a couple years removed from playing in the Champions League. Right. Like, <laughs> I think that my, and I should have prefaced this, that I'm not saying that Tyler Miller is a shoe-in for goalkeeper of the year, or maybe necessarily even one of the front runners, but he's definitely not, like, out of the conversation, obviously. So the idea that you just be like, oh, well. Because goalkeeper of the year is a weird, a weird thing. Yeah, like, when it went to Vito, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. Um, and obviously there's some big people who have never won it. You know, um, Nick Ramondo is obviously the big one, yeah. which is why I think it should become the Nick Ramondo goalkeeper of the year. Well, and Tell when, your friends. But also, like, Stefan Fry has never won it. Um, oh, Tim Melia surprising. just finally won it back in 2017. Um, there's some big names who have never won it and are considered, you know, some of the best goals goalies in the league. It's interesting to me that... Vito Manone won Goalkeeper of the Year when Aiko Parra also won Defender of the Year. Because to me, if I'm looking at that, at some point you go, wait, well, hold on a second. You probably can't have both of them winning that because if Ike is playing Defender of the Year and he's playing incredibly well, unless every other person on that back line is a, a leaky faucet, which Metnir wasn't that year. He was incredible. He was an all-star. Uh, you know, that's the year where you're going, it's probably the back line more than it's Vito Minone. Even though Vito Minone did play very, very, very well for us, I would say he was top three, but I still think probably Bill Hamid should have maybe won it that year. I, I mean, that's a debate for another time, but it's so subjective. Um, regardless, I think Tyler Miller has played really well. I don't regret my Dane St. Clair jersey, but if I could get... <laughs> two goalie jerseys maybe i'll get tyler miller too because you know what a good and tricky position to be in you know we've got 
an incredibly promising young goalkeeper coming up on the bench. And we've got a very good in-his-prime goalkeeper right now starting for us. Yeah, the year that Vito Minone won, um, Tim Melier was second, Sean Johnson was third, and Brad Guzan was fourth, and Matt Turner was sixth. So Hamid didn't even make the top five that year. Um, and actually, I heard, has... I heard he got tanked by the the player voting. Like mm-hmm. everyone hates him or something. That would probably. <laughs> well, no, I mean, he I hasn't don't... he hasn't been in the top five since 2015 though. I remember there was a lot of discourse about how Hamid had a much better year than people were saying he did, mostly because I guess he was being like an asshole that year or something. I remember that very distinctly. I could be wrong, but in my own little brain world, it happened. Well, that's good enough for me. So I was going to bring up Vita Minone's stats, but uh, I'm having a hard time doing that, so we'll just move on. But what do you think of this year from Tyler Miller? I mean, again, he, he definitely took a hit after the D.C. United game. He's now more around like third to fifth in, in a lot of those stats um, that we discussed. He's still a second for clean sheets, um, but he the, the D.C. game really hurt him in terms of his per 90 um, goals against, you know, save percentage, those things. He's more around fifth now. Um, but still, you know, top five. What does that mean? It means Tyler Miller's good. We all knew Tyler Miller was good. I don't think I personally knew he was this good, but he's had himself a hell of a year. It means we should keep him, right? And it means we should probably get rid of Dane St. Clair. Speaking as somebody with a Dane St. Clair jersey, we should maybe get rid of Tyler Miller and keep Dane St. Saint- no, I'm just kidding. I, I do not envy the person who has to make that decision because you have to look at both players and say, you know, what are the skill sets right now? What are the, you know, pros and cons? And then what are the future skill sets and pros and cons? And also you have to know that like, People always want to assume that progress is linear, and it's not. So we all talk about how Dane St. Clair, again, I I want to make it very clear, I am not dissing Dane St. Clair. But hypothetically, we talk about how good Dane St. Clair is, but he may never reach the potential we all think he can reach. He might just be a good keeper for the rest of his career and never be great or somebody we can sell overseas or anything like that. So... You look at those two players and you have to wonder what's the best move. And and Dane probably deserves to, you know, play with a team, like to, to start with a team. So do we, you know, work in a, a loan for him? You know, is there somewhere we can send him that's a good challenge? Does a, you know, European Amsterdam Eredivisie team want to take a flyer on him for a loan for a year and then an option to buy that would be I think ideal maybe I don't know I'm not a coach and it's probably a good thing I'm not you know a a general manager of a team because they would all be based on how I feel about players yeah but I mean yeah holding on to him at this point feels like you can't keep both of them right because they're not even that different of age I mean maybe a little bit but like they're what, like, I think, I don't have it in front of me, but I can't imagine they're more than, you know, five to eight years apart. So, like, and with how long goalies play, there's no reason to think that Tyler Miller couldn't have another six good years in him, right? I mean, he's, what, 27, 28? 
Tyler Miller is 28. Dane St. Clair is 24. Okay, so they're four years apart, right? And you can play well into your 30s as a goalie. So Tyler Miller could play 10 more years. And then, realistic, you know, if we kept the same number, that would mean that once Tyler Miller finally retires, this really great goalkeeper that you've been hanging on to for the last four, 10 years would play another four. Like, there obviously doesn't make any sense. And this should all be caveated that next year, or maybe not next year, but going into the future years, you know, we're going to have the full regular season that's only going to get, you know, might get longer with how many games are trying to fit in with the new teams. We've got Open Cup, and we've got the new expanded Leagues Cup, which is going to be a complete hold on the season. And then we've got everything else that makes in there, assuming we start qualifying for stuff like, you know, um, CCL Gold Cup and whatever else, and, uh yeah, Champions League or whatever they all are, right? There's a lot of soccer that happens. But I don't know if you keep two, like, you know, top goalies on your roster just for the occasional midweek game. Yeah, that's a really tricky question because you also have to weigh in, is Heath going to rotate the, 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 the keepers? You know? Right. I mean, we keep talking about in... Alex and Grant's fantasy world how when there's all these additional tournaments there's going to be all this roster rotation and you know McMaster's going to get a start and blah 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 but again you and I not that we flip-flopped but our observations have been that even when push comes to shove Heath has still not rotated the team and so if we have all this additional depth and he's still not rotating it, then I guess we have to move on from one of them. I, I don't see... I mean, this isn't like a, a Steve Clark... Um, now I'm blanking on, the, on, on, the, on Portland's other goalie that they've had for so long. Um, it's either Steve Clark or... It's Clark Steve. <laughs> no. Cleve Stark? <laughs> no. This isn't Steve Clark or Jeff Antonella, where they're like... Steve Clark is like definitely like a top t- top quarter of the the table of goalkeepers, you know. He's in 11th right now in terms of his save percentage. Uh, I want he's everyone thir- to know Alex looked that up. He stopped us and looked that up. There was a pause that was removed because I could not remember Jeff's name. <laughs> uh, Steve Clark is 13th in terms of, you know, save percentage. He is uh, sorry, Clutch clean sheets. Um, he is, ooh, he's not, he's in sixth in terms of save percentage. So, you know, maybe, but again, Steve Clark and Jeff Antonella, at least Steve Clark isn't like a top tier elite goalkeeper. And Jeff Antonella is also that like Jeff Antonella is definitely like a serviceable, very good backup goalkeeper who probably could start for a lot of teams. Steve Clark is a very good goalkeeper who on seasons like this where he's playing very well will creep into the top 10 in terms of some of the top metrics. But uh, wow, Miller, Tyler Miller, I'm really struggling with my names over here. You got this. Tyler Miller and Dane St. Clair are potentially like both top five goalkeepers, right? I mean, from what we've seen from Dane St. Clair, it looked like he is definitely that and has the potential and so far this season... we're not season, talking about the important stuff, Alex. The important stuff is who's got the more clappable name. It is Tyler Miller. That is a lot easier to clap. Than DSC? But then what do you do after... 
DSC clap. No, it's it's a clap on each one. DSC. DSC. I think. DSC. All right, you're swaying me. All right, hey, don't come at me with that. Weigh in. Weigh in afterwards. Which goalkeeper has the more clappable name? Tyler Miller. Clap, 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 clap. Or DSC. Which is the clap right there. Dynamite radio here. Uh, but I don't see any. I we honestly, tackle I, the tough problems. <laughs> Answering the questions that no one else has the guts <laughs> to answer. No I, one even wants to touch this stuff. Yeah. I don't think that there's any way that DSC can stay on the team. And I hate to say that, but it's like you're not going to trade away Tyler Miller. Can he play striker? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Better than you're not going to trade away Tyler Miller. And you're not going to keep them both. And honestly, the market, I st- you know, I just, I don't see any way to make it work. Unless we do a two-goalie system, you know, has that ever been tried before? Like, midway through the game, just switch goalies? No, no, two or goalies. Or just play like two at they, the same they, time. They both get to be in the goal at the same time. Yeah. Did you know, like, the offsides rule actually doesn't list, like, the last defender? It just lists, it's it's set up as the second to last player. Yeah, because the, the goalie, goalie doesn't is the count. last. Yeah. So in that situation, yeah. if the goalie and the defender were flipped somehow, you could actually be, yeah, you could be past the defender, but in, you could no, be past the goalie in front of the last defender and still off sides. Yeah, because it's the last defender. Right. That's the point. If, if a defender tracks back and a goalie like gets ambitious and brings the ball up and then loses the ball... And somebody passes to an offside player, you know, it, it's still. But in that situation, even though there was a defender in front of them, they would still be offsides because there wasn't two defenders in front of them. Exactly, yeah. Interesting. It's yeah. an interesting little wrinkle in the rule that I didn't actually ever know existed, which I guess obviously makes sense because it can't be the goalie because the goalie would just run wherever. You know, it makes sense. Yeah. But I actually also want to stay on this topic of two goalies in the goal at the same time. I actually don't think that would be that much of an advantage. Can you imagine no. how much they would get in the way of each other? Well, they would get good at it. Like like partners table tennis, right? True. Left yours. Right mine. Yeah. It, it would be, it would be a massive <laughs> It would be a massive advantage. I just want to say one definitively. Game, a one off. <laughs> no, how about a, this? How about this? I still think they gotta work this into some kind of all star game. But if you get one uh, random person in goal or something, I still want to see soccer games where one random person has to play, like, like yes. not a, a sports athlete, but I mean like a fan yep. has, has to, to play be, at a position. Each person comes down from the stand and like one of your people on the field has to be that player, of the, uh, that fan of the night. Yeah. Yep. And they have to touch the ball a minimum of like, I don't know, 13 times or something. Right. Or at least one time in the buildup of a goal. If we had a red card to Tyler Miller, who is ever in goal, and we're all out of subs, which field player steps into goal for us? Coleman. Coleman's not a starter. You didn't say starter. You okay, said well, why, why Coleman? That surprises I mean, me. Why Coleman? Because he's not a starter. He's tall. He's got big old, you know... HGH arms, you know, I feel like he's got good presence. He's saved a couple of goal line saves with just his feet. Coleman's my choice. I would go Coleman. Do you want me to pick a starter? Because I know Well, because he would probably, more than likely, he wouldn't be on the field. I guess if we've already used all our subs, there's a good chance he was one of them that came on. Okay. 
So we're playing Alex's game. Guys, okay. The hoops I jumped through. Um, well, I mean, it's so tricky because we don't know. Everyone's healthy, but it's the regular starters. Yes. But we've used all our subs. That's a confusing... Okay, just pick a guy. Fine, Coleman. Just stick with Coleman. If you yeah, say Coleman, that's Coleman. great. That's the best. That's the best yeah. one. I think. If I feel like Baki Debasi would be a good guy back there because he's tall. Yeah. But he's not like his. I think Boxall would be a little too boxy. Stiff. Yeah. I think Baki Debasi <laughs> nice. would be would Boxall be a good be one. Um, I could also see Chase Gasper just because I think he's kind of just like spent a lot of time probably doing weird shit that we don't know about, and like I'm sure at some point he played goalie you know i could see him being a player who's like played goalie at some point in his life um or like yeah like jacory hayes or someone you know i think one of them jacory hayes all five foot seven of him dude did you see when alex roldan played in goal for uh or maybe it was, it was christian roldan christian roldan stepped in goal for seattle he did fine i mean i don't think any i don't think any field player is realistically going to like spring to their side and stop a, a shot they're just there for like besides the brett Coleman. Bro, it's never that would ne- <laughs> no. Besides Brent, get on your bicycle, HGH, butt injection, Coleman. All right, I want to go back to this. Vita Manone in his goalkeeper has your explosiveness uh, increase. So <laughs> when Vita Manone won goalkeeper of the year in 2019, he, he was played, also taking HGH. He played 34 games. He had. Uh, Let's see. He had a save percentage of 75.4 and 11 clean sheets. Tyler Miller, with uh, 23 matches played, has 77.4 save percentage. Oh. So a couple points, three points higher, two points higher than uh, Vina Manone. And he already has, what did I say in terms of clean sheets? He already has 10 clean sheets with seven games left to play. So statistically, he is having a better season currently and is on track to have a better season at the end of the year. Um, obviously, save percentage could go down, but he'll pro- he has a good chance of getting more clean sheets than Vita Manone, um, which I would assume be, would be a new club record. So he has a chance. I mean, Vito had a chance. I don't think anyone else is really proving themselves to be a front runner. I mean, I know... Obviously, the experts at MLS.com would say uh, Matt Turner, but I think that's more based on just the subconscious bias they have because he's made his way into the U.S. men's national team. I think in MLS, he hasn't done anything super exciting. Um, he's I think not, he's made a couple... I mean, I he's not like top of, in terms of all the, any of the stats, so... No, no, no. I think Andre Blake is doing better, if I remember correctly, right? Andre he's Blake definitely up there on a lot of them, and so is a Nashville goalkeeper. Oh, yeah, uh... Johnson McJohnson. Yep, that's it. Johnson McJohnson. Yep. Um, is his Pepe name. Pepe Silva. Yep, it's great. <laughs> Nashville doesn't even have a goalkeeper. It's just a conspiracy. They've never shown their goalkeeper once. When they have goal kicks, they just show it out of frame. His yeah. name is Joe Willis. So you were close on neither of the two names. Uh, he has twelve clean sheets um, and a save percentage of seventy six percent. Joe Willis sounds like a made ass up name for sure. Yeah. Joe Willis um, is a football manager sounding ass name. Will- <laughs> like 
You got Joe Willis. He's a 22-year-old from Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Right now, I'd say William Yarborough for Colorado Rapids probably has the best shot at it. He's like one or two in a lot of the stats. Um, I don't you think he's number your, one. You mean your He does not look like me. What are you talking about? He looks like a less attractive Alex. Well, there's a You're lot more of dashing. There. You're more dashing. But, but he looks like he could be your distant cousin, I feel like. Sure. With a I name like a Yarborough, why not? Oh. Good old salty sea sailor. Doesn't Yarbrough sound like? A, anyways, we're we're about to go off the rails here. So, any big thoughts? I feel like this has kind of been just a quick recap, but I'm we've okay just with been, it. We've just been meandering Maybe. around the darkest corners of our brain. Um, I'll say that you know I didn't watch the the Houston or the the FC Dallas match again. I just didn't. I didn't have any interest in it. Um, we'll see what happens with the Reynosa red card. We're recording this on Tuesday night. Um, and all we've heard so far is that the MLS said they won't deem it to be uh, frivolous or whatever the, the word they use is of just like yeah. challenging everything. So they're at least going to take a, a genuine look at it. And they don't think that Heath is wildly out of place for saying it wasn't a red. Um, I don't think they're going to overturn it just because I don't think they usually do. Yeah. Um, I, it's I, I think Dallas was another one where we had we came up against a goalkeeper who had a terrific night. Um, Fat Mob had him rated as the highest player on the field at eight point seven, which is like very high, um, and he had quite a few really good saves, especially at the end. It seemed. Um, Grant, you watched the match. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean it was absurd. Sorry, I'm still thinking about you saying it like that. Of course, I watched the match. You said it like I don't normally watch the match. No, I said it because I didn't watch the match. Oh, you did? I thought you didn't re-watch the match. Nope, I didn't you watch, watch it at all. You didn't watch it at all? No. Oh. Because yeah, um, uh, I was at a wedding that night. Oh, okay. Was it a fun wedding? Yeah. Did you bring your koozie? No, I've learned my oh. lesson. Alex, at my wedding, you can bring your koozie. Oh, I will. I'm specifically going on literal record. Please bring your koozie. I'll make a special one that says, this is my wedding koozie. Oh, yes. And it'll be, like, yes. real classy looking. All right. I like that. All right. All right. Um, okay. So the Dallas game, that's one of those ones where, you know, they had a lot of shots on goal. We had a lot of shots. I, I actually thought there was um, a Ray opportunity. There's a Robin Lude opportunity. There's some real good chances on goal. And their goalkeeper just was playing lights out. Um, Dallas is not ranked super great. I think they're better than they're ranked. It's a team we should have beaten, but it is what it is. Um, you know, we got a little bit lucky. There was a disallowed goal. I'm forgetting who scored it for Dallas, but essentially uh, the ball ricocheted up, hit the Dallas player in his hands, which were close to his chest, admittedly, but the ball directly dropped down to the ground. He scored after the ball went down. I thought that was the right call just because you're – while your arms are pulled into your body, if your arms weren't there, there's no way the ball would have gone down. Um, you know, so if the ball skims across your chest and your arms are behind you, ball would have gone up. You probably would have had a goalie or defender closing down on you. The player directly benefited from his arms being out and the ball ricocheting off his arms. When they almost described it as it's a it's a separate rule. It's not even like a handball. It's like you can't score a goal. After the ball has directly hit your hand, so yeah. if that was a defensive player, it wouldn't have been a handball. To your point, his arms are at his side, 
but you still can't have it hit off your hand and then score a goal directly from that, which I thought was an interesting kind of like delineation. Uh, but I think it makes sense. I, I think I'm totally removing the loons portion from it because I have to be objective in this scenario. If a ball hits a player's hands and goes straight down to their feet, even if their hands didn't mean to do that, that's obviously not a goal. Because if your hands weren't involved, you wouldn't have been able to score that goal. The ball would have you know, gone past you, above you, whatever. So, you know, there were some other calls that were interesting. The Reynoso red card is one of contention. I don't think that it'll get overturned either. I think that's more of a yellow. Um, I kind of went back and forth with uh, Andrew Weeby a little bit, who, of course, didn't change his opinion at all because it doesn't really matter. Cal Williams actually started it. I know. I saw Cal Williams talking like, Cal, you're so much better than this. Like, don't let this idiot draw you in. Well, so the thing is... Cal Williams has forgotten more about soccer than Andrew Weeby will ever know. The, the I agree. Nice. Get him. Get his ass. But the problem is... So they're talking about, you know, that the, uh, I'm forgetting who it was, but it was that he, Weeby was saying that the Dallas defender had every right to go for the ball and challenge for the ball. And I agree with that. They both have a right to challenge for the ball. But if Reynoso is the last person to possess the ball and the Dallas player slides and gets the ball, he did get contact with the ball, get it away from Reynoso, but Reynoso is already, already mid-step to try to control or touch the ball, and he makes contact, that's incidental contact. You you can't really imagine that Reynoso tried to step on his ankle when the player wasn't going to get around Reynoso. It wasn't like, you know, a cynical foul where they try to pull somebody down to prevent a, you know, breakaway or anything. You know, the player was underneath Reynoso. Reynoso was already in mid-step. He stepped on his ankle, kept running, didn't try to, like, stamp on it. I don't, I don't know what else you're supposed to do, and truthfully, I really don't think it's a yellow, but I also don't think there's anything that would reverse it. And I understand that, you know, clear and obvious. I don't think it's clear and obvious, but I just think it's, what's a player supposed to do, you know? Yeah. What so we had that... said was, <clears throat> I'll, I'll wrap this up, I promise. Yeah, no, what go ahead. What we had said was, thought. you are responsible for what happens when you leave your feet. Which I Which sort I of agree understand. With. I sort of understand, but also like, what about headers? And you make you know contact with somebody in the head. Well, you left your feet. You know, you're, you're out of control. Well, it's just that's not how athletes work. You're you're going for the ball. You know. And we almost talked about the other side of this last week with the Ozzy Alonso no call that we thought really could have been a red card, where yeah. he swung at a player kind of coming head on pretty aggressively. Yeah, he got the ball, but like, he was obviously only headed in one direction, and whether or not he got the ball was never really going to change the outcome of that. So I almost feel like that's more grounds for a red card versus Reynoso, who was headed in a direction away from the player, regardless of what the player did, and the player stuck the foot under him. So it's oh almost, no, Weeby said that he was getting the ball. He wasn't he did, sticking his. He did get the ball in the process, but. In that same conversation, the defender is also responsible for where his body goes when it leaves the ground. And if he slides under a player's foot, you can't blame the player who was already taking kind of taking ownership of that space with his step forward and say that he's got a red card now. It's definitely a gray area, and I don't think anyone cares to hear us, you know, debate 
whether or not it should have shouldn't been a red card because we're going to see what happens and I'll be surprised but not shocked if it's overturned. A red card leaning podcast that you mentioned. So assuming that he is out, we play Colorado on Sunday and we'll also be without Robin Lude and Ramon Mentonair, amongst others, but those are the two starters. Mm-hmm. It seems we'll have Dotson back. They were in training today. It seems we'll have Jan Gregush back. He was in training today. How do you feel about Colorado? How do you feel about the rest of the season as a whole? And how do you feel about our uh, our chances of staying in the playoffs, given that we're sitting at 7th right now with 38 points? LAFC and Real Salt Lake are in 5-6 and six with 39 points, so one point above us. And Vancouver is sitting just outside the playoffs with 37 points, so one point behind us. So between 8, 7, and a tie for 5-6, there is just one point margin between each. I think we have a pretty tough slate of games ahead of us, and I think this is kind of the litmus test of how good this team can actually be. I think playing Colorado without Ray and Lude and Matanier and Yuka Raitala, who I don't, you know, I think that's not, whatever. Um, it's going to be a tough game. I don't know how that's going to go. Probably not well. I still think we'll, it's not gloom and doom. I think we might play better than people will think. And it's very on par for Minnesota United, you know, a game that we have no right to be competitive in, of course, is the one we're going to probably play pretty well. Um, but, you know, I think we got Austin, we got Philadelphia, LAFC, Vancouver, Kansas City, LA Galaxy. It's not an easy slate, but this team is good enough. You have to get your striker rolling. You have to get your best players in their best positions. Um, you know, I don't know, Alex, how to answer this question because if I was the head coach, of course we would make the playoffs because I have all the answers and I know everything about everything. Um, but I don't know what Heath is going to do. I don't know how he's going to line up this team. I don't know, you know, he's got those random road games where he just wants to throw out a six two five four one two three. Like it just none of it makes sense and it doesn't fit the players. So I think we have the talent to make the playoffs. I don't know if we will, but we will find out quite quickly. How do you feel about it? Would you rather make the playoffs and only win two games, or would you rather miss the playoffs? Considering the quality we have on this team, I think I'd probably miss the playoffs. Yeah, because only if if that guaranteed we were going to do a deep coaching search. Yeah. Um, because I'm not fully Heath out, but if we if we make the playoffs and win two games, I think it's it's because we're not going to be utilizing the players we have well enough. Yeah. You look at Franco Fragapane; he's so good. Reynoso is so good. Robin Lude is playing out of his mind right now. We have offensive players. And that's without having Unu unlocked the way he should be. Like, there's no excuse. There's no talent deficit with this team. It's just that we're not playing the way we should. We're too focused on soccer volleyball over, you know, soccer tennis over, you know, 
combination play. I, yeah. I, yeah. And I should say we have gotten confirmation that soccer tadness only happens after training is complete. And it is apparently free for people to do if they would like. Have we but, got... Oh. I well, mean, I mean, maybe not confirmation that it only happens after that, but confirmation that that is when it usually happens. It's funny because my happens. inside source said that all practices are soccer, tennis... For two hours, mandatory. Love it. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so you asked me what I think of the rest of the season. Um, Colorado, I initially I was feeling like we had no but shot. But not like game by game or anything, Alex. Right. Initially, I thought we had no <laughs> shot. Um, they will also be missing people. I can't. I tried to look up for a list. I think it's always so hard to find by Kellen Acosta for calls. sure. Kellen Acosta, Mark Anthony K will be up, um, and that might actually be it. You know, like. I don't think any of like their, you know, like Barrios isn't going to be called up by whatever Columbia, um, you know, their goalie isn't going to be called up. I don't know. You know, Sam Vines is already gone. Um, so I don't think of anyone else who's going to get a call up on their team. Um, so, but even just those two definitely, you know, won't hurt. Um, we're at home, you know. Um, realistically, we're only missing um, Robin Lude, I would say. You know, as much as good as Metonair is for us, I think that... And Ray. Right. Ray is the biggest problem. Yeah. Um, oh, in, yeah. in terms of call-ups, you know, I don't think that missing Metonair gives me too many nightmares because I think it's mostly just an offensive drop-off that we don't have, whereas I think DJ Taylor will come in and do a serviceable job to the point where he wouldn't hamper our ability to beat a team like Colorado. Um, missing Ray, we basically can't win without Ray this year. You know, we, we proved, especially when, when Ray and Lou don't play, we basically always lose. So um, I am really not feeling good about our chances, but, you know, whatever. Crazier things have happened, I suppose. Um, for the rest of the year, I don't know, man. I would not be... The idea of missing the playoffs, you know, whatever. When we had this talk a while back, I said there's no way we're going to drop out of the playoffs just given the teams below us. Um, I don't know that you can say that anymore. I mean, Vancouver has been looking has been looking good. Um, you know, LAFC is, is, is still LAFC. You know, they're still going to get results here and there. Um, and that's really it, right? I don't think San Jose has what it will take to to turn it on and get up there, despite the fact that they're only, you know, four points behind us. Um, I just don't think they're a team that'll do that. And then you just have Dallas, Dynam- Dallas, Houston, and Austin, who are all, you know, they're, they're gone. Um, so I don't know. Uh, another another factor is that the Galaxy are just tanking, like, which is interesting because how long have I been saying that the Galaxy are not as good as they people think that they are? And they're finally proving that to be true. And they're, they're plummeting out of the playoffs right now. Um, so I don't know, you know, but but I think based on our play alone, I really don't feel confident. Um, when you look around the league, I think I get a little more confident because there are other teams that are struggling. Um, even Colorado themselves um, have not been on a good stretch of games. Um, they, I think something like they tied their last six before the win um, against Austin. They've been winless Austin. in a few. Yeah, one, two, three, four. They went, you know, starting in early September, they beat San Jose and the, on the road, but then tied the Galaxy, Portland, Vancouver, and Toronto 
which there's a couple of really bad teams in there. They beat Austin at home, which you would expect anyone would. Um, and then they got beat by Seattle 3-0 last week in, in a very underwhelming performance. So it's not crazy, right? Colorado's struggling. The Galaxy are struggling. Vancouver doesn't look that threatening. Like The idea of still like not missing the playoffs, more based on the other teams around us, I think still definitely holds water. Um, but I also am not feeling as confident as I was previously. And I think I would also rather miss the playoffs than make the playoffs and win two games. Because I think if we make the playoffs and win two games, we're not going to do any like deep diving on what needs to change within the organization. And with making the playoffs and winning only two games is really just being the sum of our parts, I think. so. Well, we talk about this a lot. Again, apologies for the American football reference, but Alex and I are both Green Bay Packer fans. And we've seen the Packers make the NFC Championship I don't know, what, like, eight years out of the last 13 or something like that? Like, it kind of sucks getting real close to the final product and failing over and over and over again without real tangible changes. And so I don't value two games won in the playoffs because that's what we did last year. And we have, in my opinion, a better team than we did last year. So, you know, we've got to get farther than that. Um, for me, I think I said it a couple podcasts ago, MLS finals are bust. I mean, absolutely. If, if there's not an MLS finals, I think I'm, I'm on Heath out. Do you still think there's realistically any chance to make the NFL uh, MLS finals? Did I say NFL? I don't actually know. I just had NFL in my mind. You may have said it correctly. Oh, I might. Okay, if I said, edit that out for me, thanks. Um, is there any realistic chance? Absolutely. I think really? you get Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This team is good. The team is good. But at this point the path to the finals certainly goes through one if not both of Seattle and Kansas City at home. Neither of those teams scare me as much as they probably realistically should. Uh, <laughs> Seattle Seattle does. Seattle does. Kansas City does not scare me that much. I think I think we if we have our full strength lineup I think we can take it to Kansas City. I truly do. Kansas City doesn't bother me as much. But, yeah. I mean, we're not getting in the top four at this point. It's not statistically impossible, but I just don't see it. We'll see. I don't know. Colorado, again, they've been dropping points, so that could be our one spot. I don't think Portland's dropping out, and you know, supporting Kansas City and Seattle are definitely not. So I think it really is between us and Colorado in the end because um, Portland just seemed to be playing better and better every week. All right, we're at 80 minutes of re-recording time. We're going to cut that down. It'll probably be around 75. Let's wrap this thing up. Let's wrap But this not thing before up. talking about fantasy. God. Grant, you set your lineup this week. I did, thanks to and a last-minute message from Alex saying, <laughs> set your lineup. I don't know that you've lost when you've actually taken the time to set your lineup. So talk about expected wins. That uh, might be the nicest thing you ever said yep. to me. You had a whopping 84 points. Uh in this week's match and beat real North City United FC who had 63 points. Uh, I would have to imagine there was some lineup miscommunication on that score because that's pretty low for a two-week, uh, two-week week, two-match week. Um, what else happened around the league? McMaster in chief uh, beat Death Loon FC. He had a good week at 96. Minnesota's 11 loss to the name is Ari. That was a good matchup. 
Uh, Minnesota's 11 had 87 and Ari had 98. Ari remains undefeated, but Minnesota's 11 remains in second or third, I want to say. Um, no, they dropped down to fifth. I feel like we don't give any uh, en- or enough shout-outs to Logan. Because he's, he's sitting in third right now. He's looking looking real nice. Logan has sneakily want, gotten up there. It's been... The name is Ari McMaster-in-Chief and Minnesota's 11. We're kind of hovering around that the full half of the season. Uh, Logan has snuck up into third. And if I can toot my own horn for a second, I have <laughs> snuck up into fourth place after going on just an unbelievable run here to end the season. Uh, I have to blame a lot of it on playing people who I don't think are paying super close attention, but uh, I'm still going to take full credit um, and just wholeheartedly reject any other notion. Uh, the best I had part 90... is y- you named your team Icarus FC, which the most fitting <laughs> end of the season would be you losing the last seven games and just yes. bottoming out. Yep, I named it Icarus FC after I like had one of the highest scores, like, even like the Minnesota United League, um, one week I just picked the right people on accident and got like 110 points. Um, and then the next week did like just terrible bottom, bottom, terrible bottom. Alex was walking around all week with his chest puffed out, just like, do you know who you're talking to? I had 110 points in Major League Soccer Fantasy. Exactly. All Put right. some respect in my name. Uh, the police officer's like, sir, you're going to have to step out of the car. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Nicholas got 100 points. That was um, almost the high score of the week. He, ber- he beat Madeline uh, pretty handily, who had 85. Uh, and Beck's boys uh, had 105, which is the top score of the week. Um, and he beat Church of Ray, who had 52. Uh, shout out to Zach, who got 89. Another respectable score and won his matchup. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good scores this week. Um, and things are definitely getting interesting here. Grant, you and I still got to talk about what we're going to be for our uh, our trophy and our wooden spoon. Uh, but things are getting getting interesting at the end of the season. So if you're still paying attention to your team, make sure you're setting those lineups because hit us up with some suggestions too about the you know fun wooden spoon trophy fun you know well i think we're gonna find like an actual respectable winner's trophy but if you've got a good uh you know last place trophy i'm, I'm kind of thinking of like the destroyed action figures from charty mcdennis yeah or you know yep. something like that have you ever been to hunt and gather down at 50th in france that sounds like the most Alex McCracken. It's this weird, uh, like, little ground. consignment shop that just name like name and name. Like, if they ever try Stone to move out bourbon. of there, I don't know how they're ever gonna get out because there is just cram shit packed into like every corner of that place. Uh, I think we just go in there and we find something that feels right, you know. Okay, I'm down. Let's let's check it out. All right, we'll set I'm your in. lineups. We're on. We're playing Colorado on Sunday. Don't forget to go to your local. Uh, Beer and Den. No, wait. What's a hip spot that would be something and something? you got to have the two names with the and in the middle. Sounder Shaker. That's but a restaurant. Is there, is there the and? Sounder and Shaker, yeah. Yeah. Red and cow. <laughs> what are we okay, talking I'm about done. here? I'm done. I'm done. Sorry. All right. This is where Alex isn't reining me in enough, and I'm just going <laughs> off the rails now. All right. You're right. You're right. Rain it in. Call it quits. We're going to get this thing edited up tonight. Yeah, we're going to have to call it eventually. Give us a review. Give us a like. Give us a follow. 
Tell your non-Twitter friends to give us a listen. Tell your non-soccer friends to give us a listen. Nah, I don't yeah. care. They don't care. No, let them know. Let them know. Let them know. Yeah. Just tell them about it. Just tell them. Just give them a call. Don't give them a call. No one wants a call. Don't call. Text them. Yeah, there you go. All right, go. Go, Lily.